Hello, welcome back to the Noted Church podcast. Uh, sorry, I've been a little MIA the last two weeks. Um, had had a little vacation time, trying to get a few projects done around the house, and went up to uh, spend time with family uh, with my in-laws in Ohio. Uh, didn't have any quiet space to record a podcast, so um, sorry that I, I've been a little MIA. In the last podcast, I talked about uh, having some intro music. I have no idea uh, what that even looked like. So if you have suggestions, I'd love to hear them. Uh, shoot me a message, ryan at notachurch.com, or you know, shoot me a text, because most of y'all already know me. Uh, this morning or afternoon, whenever it is you're listening to this, I, I want to talk about the practice of reconciliation. We've been in this series for the last two weeks uh, on Sunday mornings, but I haven't done a podcast on this. But reconciliation is the gospel. Uh, I mean, this is the part of the mission of the church, that we we reconcile people back to God. Uh, but, but it's not just uh, between God and mankind, but it's also between mankind and mankind. That the reconciliation that's happening is not just souls being restored to the presence of God, but the presence of God being restored to the world through broken relationships. And so we are people who are called to look at the brokenness of the world and bring reconciliation. This is a hard work. This is what Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 5, that we uh, we look at the world and its brokenness, and we are to be about the ministry of reconciliation. He even calls us God's co-workers in 2 Corinthians uh, 6 verse 1. And that is his co-workers and ambassadors of reconciliation. We are ambassadors of Christ to come into the world and to enter into the tensions of broken relationships and to bring about redemption. Uh, this goes beyond how do we save people's souls. And, and when we only focus on what happens to a person's soul, uh, we forget that the gospel speaks into time and space now, that the gospel is lived out in real time. And so we have to uh, open our eyes to see what God is doing in the world and to join him. This this can get a little dicey because it involves having real relationships, um, struggling in relationships. This takes community that in the church we have to uh, work out our differences rather than just ignore one another. Because if we're called to be ambassadors of reconciliation, ambassadors of Christ for the ministry of reconciliation, we first have to be reconciled to God ourselves, uh, be reconciled to one another, and then to seek reconciliation in the world. Uh, so often we become really uh, focused on on being right and figuring out who is right. And sometimes uh, life is just not as black and white as we'd like it to be. And so um, Paul in 1 Corinthians 6 he, I think verse 7, he asked this question, why not rather be wronged? He talks about you know, dis disputes between brothers and sisters in the church. He says these disputes are, are a mar on the gospel. The, these are my words. They, they blacken the gospel. They are a distraction from the work that Christ is doing in the world. And so when you're in these disputes and fights, why not rather be wronged? Why not have the attitude that right relationship is better than being right? And so often we absolutely destroy other people in our desire to be right. And this is, this is a hard teaching from Paul. 
and it's also a teaching that uh, I, I do want to give give the disclaimer that this can be abused pretty easily. Um, why not rather be wrong? He's he's looking for an attitude here that if we only look to be right in our quarrels with others, then we don't care about the relationship that God cares about. And we've talked about how um, we have to be people of mutual submission, that first we submit to, to Christ, the same Christ that calls us into relationship, recognizing that that we, when we're in quarrels with one another in the church, we're in quarrels with brothers and sisters, not people who are adversaries. So we're in quarrels with family, and, and sometimes uh, that means you got to lean into to harder relationships. And so we submit to Christ together, but then we also enter into mutual submission. And this is difficult because we always want the other person to submit first. Uh, but we also need to enter into a space of genuine listening, listening with a heart of love, listening to understand, to to understand someone else's viewpoint to the best of our abilities so that we can articulate their viewpoint back to them in a way that they say, yeah, that's exactly what I mean. And, and so we we articulate things, uh, we we ask questions, we 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 listen with ears for understanding. Uh, this is where James 1 talks about being quick to listen, slow to speak. And in so so much uh, so very important is the in slow to become angry um, because anger does not bring about the righteousness that God desires. And I think about the the struggles in this world where you got people fighting together, fighting against each other, uh, and and you can just pick a topic. That anger rules the day, and anger does not bring about reconciliation. It does not bring about righteousness. It brings about winning. I'm not sure winning is more important than relationship and reconciliation. And so the, the world is, is not listening to one another. They are fighting amongst each other. And, and they desperately need examples of what reconciliation looks like. To come together, to listen to one another, and to, to see how God is working in the other person's life and worldview and say, okay, how can we work together? How can we move forward together? When we focus on being right, we kill all possibilities of relationship except for with people who we agree with. And so reconciliation is not about necessarily being right. And I again, I need to give the disclaimer here that there are some times in situations where people are fighting where there is a wrong. Uh, I think of First um, Corinthians 5 where uh, Paul's talking about... Uh, the man who is having an affair with his mother-in-law, or no, his stepmom, sorry. Um, both both are bad. And Paul's saying, you need to kick them out of the church uh, because they're not, they are refusing reconciliation. Uh, reconciliation does involve life change, but, but so much of the conflicts we have in life are more about difference of opinion, and we want to make them gospel. Uh, when you look at 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, Paul Paul looks at matters of conscience, and people have different conscience based based on their different faith, uh, different levels of faith. And so sometimes it's better just to say, hey, we, we see this differently, but how can we move forward together? And even things that I would consider 
um, right and wrong also come with nuance of difference of views and opinions and that even when something someone is wrong there's still something lost and I'm speaking uh, very vaguely because I I don't necessarily this is a one-sided conversation um, and the iron there's a lot of irony in that but I'm speaking vaguely because even when I can point to something that is clearly wrong, I'm, I'm not pointing to a person that is wrong, but a person who is right in the image of Christ, that, is, that their actions may be wrong. And so in love for the image of Christ in someone, even if they don't know Christ, I have to recognize that there's a person um, behind the action. And that person uh, is, is loved and needs to be loved. And so this is a hard task that we have to enter into to to not demonize, to not obliterate, but to uh, love into a a new way of being. I, I recognize that this is a a really hard teaching, um, and there's it'd be easy to dismiss as an ideal, but but Christ calls us to a certain way of living that that while He is right in every possible way that you can imagine. Uh, he stood before his accusers silent. He could have had the best of arguments, but he stood silent as a lamb ready for the slaughter. Uh, that he goes to the cross uh, in a way that brings about redemption. He goes to the cross as an act of service, an act of servitude. That Philippians uh, 2, uh, where it talks about Christ, um, his attitude is the attitude that we need to adopt. And that's just not not that's not just a way of looking at the world, but a way of being in the world. This attitude, as uh, Paul says, uh, your attitudes towards one another should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to His advantage. Rather, He made Himself nothing. He took on the very nature of a servant, becoming like us in our in our humanness, and He became a slave. Uh, and in that, he became obedient to death, even death on the cross. That his mode of seeking reconciliation in and for the world was sacrifice. And I hear the echoes of Paul saying, why not rather be wronged? And it's easy to be wronged when you know that you're right in Christ. It's much easier to give up your desire to be right if you are right with Christ. And when you're secure in your understanding that you are child of God, it is easy to let go of any positions of power in this world over others. And when you let go of those positions of power, you're able to enter into the conflicts of this world in ways that you can, even if you have a side that you tend to lean towards in a conflict, you can create space for people to hear one another because you are right with Christ. It is our rightness with Christ that that we live out of. And, and as we look into this, we're looking um, for ways to do this in the world. And I mentioned this past Sunday, uh, Brian Freeland at our church, he, he's done a, he did his master's on uh, the Quakers' uh, influence in the civil rights movement. But when he teaches the civil rights movement, um, one of the things that he's shared with me that I that has really stuck with me is that the the civil rights movement failed in the sense that it it only changed laws but it never changed hearts. Uh, reconciliation is the work of the church 
and the church simply failed to enter into this difficult space of reconciliation during the civil rights movement. Uh, often in times like the civil rights movement, we, uh, we tend to step back and say, well, we're about soul care. This is world stuff. We're escaping from this. But, but God actually calls us into these hard places, these difficult situations in the world to speak another level of truth. Not who's right and who's wrong, um, or to say you're demonized because of your race, or you're demonized because of your race, you know, whichever way you want to point that. Uh, I'm not advocating for a social gospel, which calls for us to pick sides of uh, the side of reform in society uh, and advocating for social change and societal change. I, although I, I do think that's part of this conversation, but it's not the focus. Uh, I think this is a, uh, this is a hard conversation that um, we can tease out if you'd like to. Um, and I would love to hear feedback on this. But what I'm, here's what I'm advocating for, not a social gospel what I'm advocating for is a kingdom gospel where we rise above the nation we're in, the state we're in, the city we're in, and we, we say, okay, as thoughtful followers of Christ, we have to ask the ever-important question of what the work of God looks like to bring about the kingdom of redemption over and above the powers of this world. That... If we're going to seek reconciliation in the world, we're not just seeking for um, change of policy. Because if you change policy but you don't change hearts, you just bury the hatred and it comes out in different ways. And we can actually trace that throughout history, that with every policy changed, um, there's still problems uh, in society. But we have to change the hearts of people. And so, uh, is it possible to sit in the tensions of the culture wars and advocate for peace? I, I would say that it's possible, but it's rarely popular. That in the different debates going on, we have to recognize that there are hurting people in need of the love of Jesus on both sides. And as the world changes, there are people who are who are lamenting loss and there are people who are celebrating gain and we, we are people who step into that tension of loss and gain and we advocate for a way of moving forward together. Uh, we live in a cancel culture that, that just buries people's um, hatred and disdain for others by saying you can't say that. What the world needs is not a cancel culture but a, a culture of reconciliation where where we hear one another and we change our behaviors because of our love of neighbor. Uh, we're called to be a people of peace in an anxious world. But we first must be at peace with God and find rest in God's presence before we can be a non-anxious presence in the world. Uh, when I, there's all throughout the teachings of, of James, there's, there's advocation of being people of peace. Uh, Paul and in many places talks about being a person of peace. Jesus uh, offers his peace and he tells us to then offer our peace to others. Luke 10 has this beautiful example of being people who extend peace to others and then uh, resting with people who receive that peace. Uh, 
we're to be people of peace, which means we have to be a non-anxious presence in the changes of our world. James calls us to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Uh, but that does not happen naturally. Uh, it comes from a deep relationship with God, cultivated in times of quiet, simply sitting with God. There is much more to be said uh, about the practices that help us rest in the presence of God to be to be people of peace. Uh, and, and I'd actually love to have longer conversations about that. Uh, these are disciplines we have to engage in. It, and if you'd like to email me and, and get some resources on that, I'd, I'd be happy to share, share them with you or have a longer conversation. But for now, I, I want to leave this, this picture um, of what it looks like to be a non-anxious presence in the world. That, that as people of peace who are seeking reconciliation, we enter into the absolute storms of this world. And we enter in in ways that, that stand out um, because as people are yelling and shouting, as they're raising their fists, as they're getting angry, as they're, um, as they're doing all kinds of just terrible things in the way they talk, the way they act, the way they respond, the peace that we carry into these places needs to permeate everything in a way that everybody stops and says, whoa, what is wrong with these people? What, or say it differently, what is right? With them, and so I, I offer this this imagery um, out of Mark chapter four thirty five through forty one. It's a familiar passage. Go read it, but read it as a metaphor. That um, in in our world today, there's storms, there's chaos, there is absolute lack of peace, and. And finally, the people wake up Jesus and say, don't you care at all if we're going to die? And we are the people who carry the presence of Jesus into this world. And the world is desperately looking for someone to care. What does it look like for us as the presence of Jesus to stand up in the storm, to be p completely at peace and to offer peace, be still, as a command to the winds and the waves. Sit with that metaphor, sit with that imagery. And as you look around the world ar around you, what does it look like to speak peace into the world that, in a way that brings about reconciliation? Uh, there's so much more to say about this, but I, I hope this ignites a longing for a, a redemptive nature in this world. And my prayer is that as a church, we, we become people who, um, who ask the question, Lord, what would it look like for your spirit to enter into this space? And we are then open to the spirit's guiding for, for Christ to be made Lord in these situations and to, to move with the spirit where the Spirit guides us to be people of peace and to speak um, reconciliation and to seek reconciliation in this world. It's a messy mission. Um, it's not a comfortable one, but it's the mission of the church of which we're called to be ambassadors of Christ. Uh, and go with God and be people who listen and people of peace and go sit 
as non-anxious people in the tensions of this world. 